0: The Love Good Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. As they stand on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else, our patrons raise media to a higher standard and help young people and artists turn that standard into a way of life. Join the movement today that will give you hope for tomorrow. Become a patron now at lovegoodculture.com.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. You are listening to episode 12, season one. This episode is brought to you by Danny Snyder Insurance. He's an independent agent here in Middle Tennessee for all of our Nashville listeners in particular. He represents many different carriers shopping for the best deal. He's also a trusted and loyal person who will keep your best interests at the forefront of all of his decisions and recommendations. He truly protects families as if they were his own. You can check out Danny at apple2apple.com. That's apple, the number 2, apple.com. We're really privileged to have Danny and his insurance agency sponsoring this episode. By the way, all of my home and car insurance needs are filled by this man, and he is One of the best. This is going to be a really, really special episode coming up a little bit later on. We have Ginny and Tyler coming on. They are a brilliant singer-songwriter duo who just happens to also be married with three beautiful kids. In fact, their youngest, Mary, who I think is no more than six months, was in the studio with us for the entirety of the episode. So you're going to hear a lot of sweet nothings from Mary as Ginny Tyler and I talk about all kinds of beautiful things in their career right now, but especially this desire for home, something that they're really wrestling with internally and personally and as a family right now, this desire for home that we in fact all have, a desire that's never quieted in this life and ultimately only fulfilled in heaven. It's a really beautiful conversation. Beforehand, as always, I sit down with Janae Trudell. Janae and I, this week, we talk about the importance of littleness. I'll leave it at that, the importance of littleness. It's such an honor to have you listening to our podcast. Make sure you go and like us on social media for sure. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and any reviews that you leave really help shine a light on what we're doing here to build a better culture and to really invite as many people into this movement as possible. Uh, We love you guys. This is going to be a really fun episode, so hang tight, and we'll be back in just a little bit. See the dew still
2: The dawn sings for me To the sound symphony To the desert sands While the pheasants dance And fly to the fandango And meal like mangoes Hear yeah, the pigeons In their intonation It's creation and the, as the rhythm of the orchestration,
1: it's creation.
3: From the grounds to the
4: heights, the sounds and the sights, the browns and the whites, amen.
1: You're listening to Creation by Father Tonsi off of his debut album, Garden, available exclusively on iTunes and lovegoodculture.com. Welcome back to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell, sitting down, as always, with Jenea Trudell. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. You know, one of the things I keep reflecting on, Jenea, is that these conversations that we have uh, are obviously a lot of fun, and for me, a really rich blessing, because I'm, I'm finding even in the aftermath as we're having to do all of the piecing together of these shows and then the launching them, you know, on iTunes and everywhere else, you know, I end up listening to these conversations a few more times, Mm -hmm. at least once or twice Mm -hmm. every single week. And it is always incredible how I'm inspired, how I'm challenged, very rarely by anything that comes out of my mouth, but almost always by what comes out of yours. (laughs) So,
2: well, that's a mutual sentiment, I think. It's right. Well,
1: it's certainly our hope and our Mm. prayer that everybody listening is really blessed um, Mm. with these conversations. That if maybe nothing else, they're simply giving me an opportunity to uh, think about things a little bit more profoundly, Mm. a little bit more honestly, uh, even a little bit more poetically. I mean, that is sort of the great danger of hanging around artists as much as I do, is that everything (laughs) becomes so poetic And so dripping and and beauty. And sometimes you forget, okay, bring it down. You Mm got to bring it down, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Well, today's going to be really fun. We wanted to hone in on the importance of littleness. Now, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is Winnie the Pooh, and I'm not even sure why, you know? But like all (laughs) of these characters, even of my childhood, and that obviously indicates that my notion of littleness also has something to do with wimpiness. Certainly mm-hmm. growing up, right? Mm-hmm. But as life has gone on, I've come to realize that actually there's a great strength and there's a great power in littleness. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure when I first came to understand that.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so funny that you mentioned um, uh, growing up. I just last night actually watched... Winnie the Pooh? No. <laughs> <laughs> But um, uh, an animated film I've been wanting to watch. I never grew up with the book, but The Little Prince. Are you familiar with that at all? Um, no. Okay, so I finally watched this beautiful animated film last night, and it's basically about um, this little prince who's, who's kind of in, uh, wrapped up in a story um, told by this old man to another little girl, and he's exploring different planets. But basically, it's, it's the beauty of his, his youth um, and his wonder and awe. And he's very inquisitive and he's very bright. Um, And this little girl who's heard about him um, through this old man who's telling her the story goes to find him and finds that he's grown up. And he, the the big kind of quote in the movie is like, he's forgotten, he's forgotten. Um, And it never says what and never kind of pins um, any certain like event or memory or even like piece of knowledge. It's just like, he just forgot, he just forgot. Uh, And then the little girl is just up and Devastated at the fact that he's grown up, and uh, she's so afraid. As a as a child, I remember feeling a similar thing. Did you were you ever scared of growing up? <laughs> like, do you ever think think of yourself like the age that I am now? And I just it was like the worst thing ever to imagine for me, at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so sanguine that uh, <laughs> everything about the future was exciting and probably wildly unrealistic. I
2: see. Yeah. I mean,
1: I was president of the United States in my imagination by age 10. <laughs> you know. That's true. It's a problem. That's
2: so funny. I think I was like barefoot, kind of probably climbing trees or on the farm in between the bales, just like wanting to stay in this like little enchanted (laughs) land forever. But um, yeah. Anyway, this is beautiful, beautiful film, and it's eventually this. He's a grown man when she finds him on his little planet, and um, and she helps him remember this child. She helps him remember the wonder that, um, and and the questioning and the wisdom that that once was his life um and he there's this beautiful scene where they together use i don't know something on this planet they had trapped all the stars in a um in like a glass thing or whatever to keep everyone just working and focused no distraction no beauty no nothing so they her and the and the little prince who's all grown up they together break open this glass chamber and, and let the stars into the skies again and for the first time these people drop their their briefcases and everything and and they're in they're uh in awe there's something called aesthetic arrest basically completely overcome by by wonder like a childlike wonder that sedates you in a way and that's what happened in the movie anyway i'm totally obsessed with it now because i just loved it a lot but it's about totally the beauty the beauty and the wisdom of a child solely because they're brave enough to wonder and to stand seemingly idle to everyone else um, but they're standing in awe and they're learning more about the world than the busy bodies do, I think, most of the time, which is where I find myself a lot of the time. So. Is it
1: on Netflix or Amazon Prime? It is Netflix. Or? Yeah, really? it's on
2: Netflix. There mm-hmm.
1: ah, you go. The Little Prince. So this is an official love good recommendation. Sure. Satisfying our <laughs> standard and everything. So this is cool. I'm really being reminded of my favorite quote from Orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who aren't patrons, everybody across our movement received a copy of Orthodoxy this past December, which is, I think, the perennial work of one of the greatest English minds of the last hundred years, G.K. Chesterton. And here's the quote. He talks about children, even as you put it, having the courage to wonder, being brave enough to wonder. And he says this, Because children have abounding vitality, Because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Hmm. I hmm. love that line. It's end of the quote, by the way. Eternal appetite of infancy, a courage to wonder, to never forget the beauty of all things. I mean, that's not just childhood. I mean, my goodness, if the only part of life that was meant to be beautiful was, you know, birth to age seven, we'd all be in a lot of trouble, you Mm -hmm. know, but what does it look like to reclaim that childlike wonder at every season of life and every circumstance? Uh, That's a great challenge. And I do think that movies like The Little Prince you've just described, books like Orthodoxy, they certainly help me remember
2: yeah I think um one more point about the little prince is basically this old man and, and this little girl he is the one teaching her to be a child she grew up in a home where she was very uh it was very organized and her mom was kind of had this whole plan for her life and she was she was being trained to be an adult from when when she was born um and this old man um kind of told her like I see I, I grew up but I never forgot I never forgot and I think what makes us forget as adults is even the faculties like of our mind being more like able to remember and and know things there's something about a child uh, they can't understand everything very very few things do they actually understand you know like the very very basic basics of life um which sounds like a poverty to us as adults like oh poor you or like when you're older you'll understand but i think A lot of the time, our very ability to, like, (laughs) retain knowledge and and know things can we can allow to inhibit us from from being actually wise. (laughs) And um, and. Yeah, so if that like if that capacity in us, like even the intellectual capacity um, or or, um, you know, I think of my dad, who was very bright, very, very bright. Um, and also like incredibly strong, like he's a, he's a heavy duty mechanic <laughs> Like, and he has the softest heart probably that I have ever encountered in another man. And he's, uh, there's like a child likeness about his, like his strength as a man. Um, he can do amazing, amazing things with his hands. Um, and, uh, if that, like, if our strength intellectually, physically, as adults, is paired with the realization that we're little, like, we're there's a Hebrew root for it, the anawim, we are the anawim, like we're the little ones, um, and it allows us to be humble and and like in the presence of everything we know, that's like this, that's a sweet spot <laughs> that that we see, like I've seen in my life, a lot of people hit, um, and they're like the brightest and most. Hmm. Fun, <laughs> joyful, like attractive in the sense that they, I just like want to be in their presence because, um, yeah, they just remind me what it is to be human, not only a child, but, um, yeah, there's a bravery and a simplicity about
1: them. I'm reminded so much of your often used analogy of the kid jumping out of the tree into his father's arms, his mother's arms. There's a wild abandonment and trust in that. Mm-hmm. And I think as you get older, you become more and more aware of your strength, of your intellect, of your giftedness, of your unique and unrepeatable contribution to the world. And if that puffs us up with pride, it in fact steals away all the joy. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's only in humility combined with strength that that childlike wonder and joy can be preserved. And I think for me, the more I learn, the more I study, the more I think I'm beginning to grasp the meaning of life. In fact, the more I realize I I don't know anything Mm -hmm, and -hmm. that I'm still uh, stepping into this inexhaustible mystery every day. So, Janaya, as always, taking conversations and thoughts to the next level. It's been Mm -hmm. an absolute joy to have you in the studio this week. We'll, uh, We'll see you in a little while.
2: Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.
1: You're listening to Who I'm Not by Jenny and Tyler, a Patreon exclusive. If you don't know what Patreon is, just stay tuned. We've got an incredible interview here with Jenny and Tyler themselves. They'll tell us all about Patreon just a little bit later. And uh, it is such a joy to have this incredible couple in the studio. We've actually been able to promote and distribute uh, a couple of their um, projects in the past, particularly of this, I'm sure. And here we are uh, with the privilege of sitting down with them in person. How are you doing, Jenny and Tyler?
4: Doing well.
3: Doing really well. Thanks for having us, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad we had enough microphones. The only one who needs one, I think, right now is Mary.
3: Mary does. Yep. Yep.
4: You might be able to hear it.
3: Hopefully you will. She is our six-month-old third girl. Oh, that's right. All girls. All girls. The ocean of estrogen. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. My mom thinks that I need help. (laughs) And uh, I do. I do
1: need help. That's so good, though. It keeps you real sensitive, you know, in the best possible ways. And you're an artist, right? So this is already a part of your makeup, you know? Yeah,
3: the sensitivity's already there. I think it's more just like the emotionalism is uh, is higher in our household. It's
4: dr- there's a lot like, of drama. A lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, all, they're four and under, and there's a lot of drama. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> so Jenny and Tower Summers, uh, you guys got three kids. Where are you originally from? I don't even know that.
3: I'm originally from Delaware. My parents live in the same house that I grew up in. Jenny is?
4: I'm a military kid, ah, nice. and uh, we met at the University of Delaware. Uh, I landed in Delaware for school, and we met my first weekend at school.
1: That's so cool. And here you are in Nashville, Tennessee. You've been really dedicated, obviously, to music how long has it been now?
3: Yeah, we've been doing music full-time for nine years, but we've been doing it in some capacity since we began our relationship, which was mm-hmm. 12 and Thirteen a half, 13, 13 years ago, years ago like Wow, which is really scary. It's been that long. What started first,
1: the, the music and the collaboration or the romance, if I might ask? The coll- uh,
4: well, for me, it was like hmm. pretty simultaneous. For Tyler, it was the collaboration first. Yeah, yeah.
3: I was... I Yes, I did not want to enter into a relationship lightly, and so I was, I, like, I, I mean, I was trying to impress her, but like with music, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, but at the same time thinking like we're not dating yet, so I don't know what we. You were really Tyler are. was a
4: really intense, like he's just extreme. a really intense person, so <laughs> extreme, very extreme person.
3: Like. <laughs> yep. Well, I think we might have that in
1: common, uh, okay. Tyler. So that's all right. Well, really cool then. What kind of led this journey? Uh, forward then as far as like obviously dating and eventually getting married and then pursuing music full-time eventually moving to Nashville maybe both of you could just share a little bit of the backstory when did you start with music was this a part of childhood was this something that developed later in life
4: yeah well both of us it was it was part of childhood for me um my parents are super musical my dad and yeah my mom and dad are like big bluegrass country music fans so I grew up listening to that kind of music and we would have, like, family night, all of us sitting around playing instruments and singing. And we weren't very good, but it was just, like, a lot of music in the house. Um, and I thought it was really normal for, like, all families to sit mm. around and sing together. Um, and I, had an, I have an older brother who, when I was um, 12, he let me sing in his band. Um, so I had—I just—there was a lot of—there were a lot of encouraging people in my life, like, encouraging me to write and sing and— Tyler's story is not really the same, but...
3: I grew up in a very musical household as well. My dad is a classical music composer, a jazz pianist, and a Episcopal church music director, as well as a middle school and upper school choir director. Wow. (laughs) He wears a lot of hats. So I grew up with jazz in the house, um, but he was also into rock when he was a kid, and so he introduced me to Hendrix and Clapton um pretty early on. And so like bass was one of my first like rock instruments. And then from there was uh it was guitar. I think that was it I started get playing guitar at nine years old. Uh my mom is also very musical. She's um she's quite different than my dad. Uh she sort of looks like Barbara Streisand. Um and she really loves Barbra Streisand. Now, <laughs> and I, I she's didn't... from
4: North Jersey. <laughs> she is.
3: She's like a very, like, like stereotypical North Jersey kind of talks like this. And, like, <laughs> when she, get, she gets really loud with her friends, it's awesome. And uh, and so, so I grew up, because of her actually listening to James Taylor and Simon and Garfunkel. Wow. So, she, yeah, and Barbra Streisand. But I didn't really like the Barbra stuff. So
1: Fair enough. Yep. And then you guys obviously went off to college. You met, started collaborating. Were you both studying music at the time or?
3: It's just on the side
4: I was an English major
3: there you go I was mm-hmm. a business major but I did a double minor in music mm-hmm. well that's actually pretty brilliant because you would
1: have needed the lyricism <laughs> and the business to back up the uh, the musicianship and I'm just so curious at, at what point did you sense this was more than just a couple of friends getting together to collaborate and make great music you know so there's there's two things that obviously as you said, Jenny happened simultaneously you fell in love you got married three kids later you know Mm -hmm. like life carries on with all kinds of beauty and challenge and trial but I'm sure a a whole lot of joy in the midst of all that but at the same time you're probably figuring out a career path and discerning whether or not this is something you could do professionally and especially Mm -hmm. whether or not you could do it together for a long time professionally so what was that process what was that unfolding like?
3: We are still figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like we look at each other and we're like, what are we doing? How did we get like, here and what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but okay, so nine years ago I was working at Starbucks. Jenny was working at a retail sort of tchotchke artsy store. and And that was in Delaware. And then we found similar jobs in Nashville. So I just transferred Starbucks. Jenny found another tchotchke store to work at. Mm -hmm. And we were recording at the time uh, our second album. Wow. So the first album we recorded in college. And it took about two years to finish because we didn't know what we were doing. The second album took maybe six months. uh, So still a long time, but, but less time considerably. And it was in February of 2009 when we said, like, let's just try this. Let's uh, let's, we we would give, we gave away free music at the time. We still do. Um, but the people who would, who would get that free music would give us their email addresses and their zip codes. And so we would contact those people and say, Hey, are you interested in either hosting a show or, uh, helping us figure out where to play in, in your town? And this is when we had like nine people in one city. And that was a, sign for us that we needed to go to that city <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so so we just like set off and we booked a tour that was really unhealthy it was I think it was 11 dates in a row going from Nashville to Vermont back to Nashville wow. and um, and it was so we learned a lot on that trip but we we kind of started with that we were like let's let's go for it and let's see if it works and like if we can pay the bills and keep uh, keep expenses low and just f- figure it out and um, mm-hmm. And we've been doing that ever since. So, uh, so at the time, it was a desire. We didn't feel like we were necessarily supposed to do it or not. We were just like, let's try it, and it ended up working out. And so we we kept at it. And now we're at a point where we're like, okay, we really like we would be happy to do something else, mm. but we feel very much called to stay, to stick with it. Mm.
1: The thing that really blew me away when I first heard of this, I'm sure, is the same thing that blew away all of our patrons when they first heard it, is uh, not only you guys, incredibly gifted songwriters uh, and musicians, there's a depth and, and there's a, a pulling back of one layer after another. And so I suppose what... What motivates all that? What's behind all that for you guys? And even coming into the studio today, we've talked a bit about these these larger themes that have been you know threads in the last few months of conversations, and I'm sure songwriting, home, crisis, reconciliation, freedom at the end of the day, what is it you know that that keeps you guys continuing like this creative process and this this delicate, vulnerable thing that it is to then share your creation with the rest of the world
4: hmm. I think. For me, uh, what keeps me kind of going, I I think that probably Tyler's probably similar, but we tend to like process life through songwriting. Like I often um, will come to Tyler and be like, I don't even know what he'll you'll ask me how I am, and I'm like, I have no idea. I have not written in a while. I need to go just make space for that. And um, something that um, I've always hoped to do, because there have been writers who do this for me, is um, help people communicate the stories that they're living, but maybe they don't have the words um, to express. Uh, Sarah Groves is someone who does that uh, for me really well, um, because I think we are all I mean, we're also woven together, and I think especially uh, young moms, especially, I think, are living in a very isolated, at times very lonely environment, and um, it, or it, it's easy to be isolated, I think, as a young mom. Um, so if I can, you know, communicate with those other moms, like, I see you, <laughs> I'm, I'm living this story too, I think that, that's a lot of what keeps me going.
1: That's huge. I mean, it was a little bit of an uncomfortable moment for me back in December. I was at a concert, a Christmas concert with the Atlanta Symphony and Amy Grant and Maka W. Smith. And at one point, Amy Grant says, all right, everybody, stare into someone's eyes that you've never met before. And there was about a four-second thing that happened where everybody was looking into the eyes, like holding the gaze of a stranger. And then she said, all right, that's good. There might have been somebody here who hasn't been seen today, and it's good to yeah. be seen. Yeah. And what an amazing gift that you can then offer with your music to let people know that they're understood, that they're seen, that they're, mm-hmm. they're loved, that they're not alone. That's huge.
4: Yeah. It's
1: really, really cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, you guys obviously have a lot of irons in the fire when you're juggling three kids and a Patreon, you know, a campaign that's always, I'm sure, unfolding. I want to hear more about that in a minute, but how do you guys keep it all, if not balanced, at least integrated so you don't feel crazy half the time?
3: <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think we do feel crazy. <laughs> we feel crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's like intense. It's a really intense part of, time in our lives and we we look at each other quite a bit and we we say like not only what are we doing but like how are we doing this? Like mm. how, can we keep doing can this? Can we keep doing this? Um man, what keeps us grounded is the question maybe. Yeah. Um, balance is, is one of the biggest ones prioritizing, uh, cause, cause there's always work to do. Uh, but I, I find myself at the end of the day, if I, if I'm not, um, either keeping up the house or keeping in touch with Jenny or taking care of my, my three kids, uh, if it's just work, then I feel pretty terrible. I'm mm. pretty disconnected. Um, and like, I'm not doing like like I'm not fulfilling a, a major purpose um and, and and so yeah prioritizing it's it's just it's a very difficult thing but so necessary um if if I'm going to feel like I'm I'm living mm. um but yeah I mean we we try to make time we like we have some practical things that we do we have a date night once a week um we uh we have time scheduled so that each of us can spend individual time with with our kids uh, Jenny's parents moved to town to help us with with the kids, which yeah. has been so, so good. Uh, but then the art, the art uh, aspect of what we do, I guess so we so we have these patrons. And if we don't create, then we're letting them down like we're letting down about 300 people, you know, and yeah. and, and so like that's a huge incentive to, to say, OK, we need to write songs this month, you know. Uh, or at least we need to find songs that we've written that we've not done anything with, and and put them out there, uh, record them, and, and such.
1: Sounds like there's some built-in accountability for you guys and yeah. some built-in disciplines, which is huge if you want anything remotely in the uh, the range of freedom and peace. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah for sure. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about this this idea of home that you guys have been wrestling with lately, or at least thinking about, talking about. Mm. What, what is what is home? What does it mean to you guys?
4: What does home mean? <laughs> um... Well, because I grew up a military kid and was moving every three years about, I think I've just always struggled with this idea of, like, where do I belong? Uh, do I fit anywhere? Um, and f- for me, growing up, the only thing that was ever the same was my family. And I'm so thankful I have a really solid family. Um, parents who have always been safe for me. <laughs> Good timing, Mary. Um, Yeah, my parents have always been super safe, and uh, so it's always kind of been, like, wherever my family is, but I also, I think there's just always this longing still um, for something where I just feel known and um, something that I can trust, something that's firm, Um, and I think that, like, the ultimate, you know, longing for home is after is not of this world is after this world, um, or after this life. But, uh, yeah. What, what are you thinking about home?
3: Uh, so when I get desperate, like when I have had too much work and like not enough, I don't know, whatever, not enough of whatever. Um, I, I will sometimes look at the wave forecast because we got married at the beach in South Jersey and, uh, for me, my parents had a house there for fifteen years. And growing up there, in the summers, like it was very much a, a, a home. Um, there's a sense of home there. So, a lot of our writing has, uh, has like Im- imagery of of the ocean in it, mm-hmm. and and I think that uh, that I I mean I know that every day, um, or at least most days, I I'm thinking about. Uh, thinking about the ocean, thinking about the beach, thinking about surfing, um, as, as an attempt to, to like quiet this, this longing that I have that, as Jenny mentioned, like will we'll, will never quiet it, um, mm-hmm. in, in this, uh, in this life. And so I end up writing a lot of songs about, uh, about the idea of home and, and the idea of heaven mm-hmm. as, as a home. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that the the like the looking at surf forecasts um, and thinking about the beach is really just a, a, a way of kind of pacifying that um, that ultimate desire for home.
1: We're back in the Love Good Podcast with Jessamine Anderson. She's going to tell us this week how we can build a better culture.
0: How are you doing this week, Jimmy? Really good. This is truly
1: one of my favorite parts of the show because we just get practical mm-hmm. and you give us really simple, concrete ways that we can build a better culture day in and day out. So what do mm-hmm. you got for us?
0: Well, I remember a lot of times, so I was living in New York City and I remember a lot of the time that I was on the subway, I would get stuck scrolling through Facebook or lost in my Instagram feed or I'd be listening to music that wasn't exactly what I should have been listening to, and it didn't make for a good commute. And so I decided to try to be more intentional with my commute time, and I was listening to podcasts, like not Love Good because it didn't exist yet, but the Love Good podcast is an example of something I would have loved to listen to, um, or other like life-giving music and media and things like that. So I want to encourage our podcast listeners today to use their commute wisely. So if you're listening to the Love Good podcast on your commute, you are already one step ahead of the game, um, but I want to encourage you to continue to use that time to um, prepare yourself to encounter people. How are you growing in patience if you're stuck in Nashville traffic, for example, or if you're waiting for yet another subway train um, at Times Square in New York City? Whatever it is, use your commute wisely. And the best way to do that with the Love Good Podcast is simply to subscribe on iTunes. When you do that, you will never miss an episode and your commute will always be awesome it's really
1: amazing and at the moment we are releasing new episodes every single tuesday so the content is always fresh and uh, always really really rich and i know i'm enjoying it as much as probably anybody (laughs) jessamine thanks as always for the pro tip
0: of course have a great week
1: so i'm really curious this is a really interesting transition into perhaps some of your media recommendations um just a little while ago, talking about Andrew Peterson, and talking about you know yeah. some of the similarities he might have with C.S. Lewis and being able to capture your imagination. And I know for me, having just finally for the first time in my life read Chronicles of Narnia all the way through, okay. mm-hmm. there's yeah. something about the ending that left me with this ache for heaven oh, man. and mm-hmm. this desire for that for that homeland that yeah. will forever satisfy yeah. mm-hmm. so i'm just curious you know this is an interesting approach to the question but in terms of music books and movies that you've seen and enjoyed and read through the years what is it that perhaps has given you a sense that there's more to this life than what we can see and what we can hear
3: man um the, the first thing that comes to mind is is the, like uh no more by mumford and sons the um the first track being a, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, most of it is a direct quote from Shakespeare, but there's that, um, that like tag at the end that says, Love, it will not betray you, enslave you, uh, or dismay you, enslave, whatever it is. Enslave, dismay, um, betray. Um, it'll set, set you free. I don't think that's the right order, but it'll set you free. And that's like, to me, that's, that, that's what that home, like it's a little taste of what it will be like. Mm. Is this uh, like love setting free, you know, and uh, and not not dismaying or enslaving or betraying? Um, so that record does it for me. Uh, that actually, yeah, like that whole record. And then and then recently, the uh, I started reading the Wing Feather Saga by Andrew Peterson, which I'd been told to read for years. I think five years or so. I'd, I'd known about it. And I finally got through book one. It took me three days, I think, to to get through. Um, Which, for me, I'm a slow reader. That that is actually that's saying something. (laughs) Um, But but it had throughout the whole thing. It had this uh, this theme of like of like Janner's the the protagonist, or at least one of them. And he's he's he knows that where he is. He he's grown up in the same house, um, the same. The same area of, of the country but he oh, he's he's dissatisfied and he mm. he feels like this isn't it like i i, I want to go i want to go to this faraway land and i don't even know why i do and this like home heartache kind of theme throughout is mm. uh man it, it resonates with me a lot how many in the series i think it's three That's
4: i awesome. think it's four is four. it four Okay. Pretty sure. I
3: don't know. <laughs> and would you
1: put it on the level of Lewis? I mean, are we talking this is gonna be read for a few hundred
3: years? I don't know, and I don't know if you if I should say that like yes. Uh, yeah. but it's it's well done. That's it's it's awesome. well done. It's a good story. Um I think Andrew Peterson apologizes for the for book one, like he's not as happy with his writing. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the writing was was very good and
1: That's well, so cool. Yeah. I've definitely heard about it for years. Never actually had anybody personally recommend it until you. Okay. So everybody go check out the Wing Feather saga by Andrew Peterson. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, Jenna, you've got some maybe some Sarah Gro- Sarah Groves, you said, right?
4: Well, yeah. I mean Sarah Groves, yeah. She's her most recent um well, she just did a hymns project. That's right, I saw it. That, that is really great. Mm. Um and I've been a fan of uh Floodplain, which mm. is like her and and that record, she has like a couple songs about her kids growing up. Um, she always has some love songs. Um and her she wrote a lot about depression in that record as well. Um but what I'm listening to right now that I think I would love to t- tell you about because you probably haven't heard about it either is um called it's a record called River House by Taylor Linhart. And um it's it's just an incredibly peaceful record. And just so many, I like. I don't think I knew that I was going to need this record. Taylor's become a friend, and um, when she sent us sent us the record, it was a while ago, and I was like, "Oh, this will be cool." And then um, I've been struggling with a lot of anxiety recently, and this record just addresses that so much. Wow. And um, so I feel like I know she didn't, but it feels like she wrote it for me sometimes. <laughs> wow. Um, so it's been a really, it's a powerful record.
1: Just like you're describing earlier, this. Ability that an artist has, the gift of the artist to put into words uh, that uh, deeply felt experience that perhaps the rest of us just are struggling, you know, to, to have a, even a vocabulary for. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool when, as even as an artist, that can happen for you.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To be seen. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
4: there's a, one of the songs, the whole, like, the line of the chorus is, you are not an afterthought. Mm. And I just think that's, oh, wow. uh, it's so, so good. Um, I think a lot of people feel like they are. I know I yeah. do a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, this is the opportunity now to talk about everything <laughs> that you guys have going on that people can support, that they can yeah. rally behind. I know Patreon's a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> Mary's a part of that. Mary's yeah. supported by Patreon, I think. <laughs> yeah. Is she on any of the records yet? Because she, she probably could be, should uh-huh.
3: be. Yep. Yeah,
1: yep. so let's hear about it. How can we stay in touch? How can we support? How can people become patrons of jenny and tyler on patreon
3: Yeah, so we're doing this thing called patreon which is uh a way of uh, sort of like a kickstarter that's ongoing it's it's a patron model it's getting back to the way that arts uh, artists used to be supported and so for um it starts at a dollar a month um and there are many many dollar a month people um you you get access to all these new songs that we're doing and we fully produce them we do them in our studio and I think we're on song 24. We've been been at it since April last year. Mm. So, uh so yeah, creating creating new songs that we've had um many of the songs we've had for years and years and years. And um I think finally we're getting to a place where we're like, well, we've we have other songs from the past, but they're not very good. So, <laughs> let's write some new ones. Mm-hmm. And uh and so we're about to complete the when we hit song 30, we're planning on um, having a vote and asking patrons to help us decide what songs to put on the next non-Patreon exclusive album, like the next real, real record, uh, so that's exciting. That's hopefully in the next couple months. And
1: I must say we hope that that can be a part of our Love Good exclusive uh, shipment at some point. <laughs> yeah. and, and seriously, I've already heard some of the songs from the first Patreon kind of, I don't know if you call it an album, but the one that yep. you, you sent to yeah, me that yeah. day. Mm-hmm. It'd be so cool, obviously, for our patrons, not to confuse anybody, but Love Good has its own little patronage program for those who want to support the arts. But what's so cool about what you guys are doing is it's a its a real personal buy-in you know, to you guys. It's an investment in your artistry and your career and obviously anything we yeah. can do to yeah. rally around that too is is just a big big privilege for us
3: well it's really huge for us yeah, <laughs> it is. very very it thankful is. for any any help that anyone gives that's really good um,
1: and obviously there's probably a great website people can go get some free music from some social media to be tracking with you guys
3: free music at just go to jennyandtyler.com slash free and uh yeah you can find us on instagram and and facebook Uh, we're not very good at twitter but we're on it
1: (laughs) i feel like most people say that i'm on there but i really yeah Yeah, it's
4: just just, instagram (laughs) yeah it's
3: really just instagram
1: it's awesome well jenny and tyler it's been a real privilege i look forward to continuing these conversations in the future and doing whatever we can as a little movement uh for the arts to really rally behind you guys and to support not just your artistry that's obviously so important But the way that you are so beautifully living your vocation to marriage, I know that that's not easy and you're joyfully struggling and you're joyfully persevering in a way that actually stands against all the cultural sort of norms and pressures. And uh, know that I'm deeply moved by it. And I know so many more are as well. So uh, thanks, and we'll do this again sometime. Thank Thank you you. so much. Listening to Home, a feeling I cannot explain, from Jenny and Tyler. This is album two, a Patreon exclusive. What a privilege to have had Jenny and Tyler in the studio with us this afternoon. What a beautiful family. I mean, not only is their artistry top notch, but their willingness to really live their domestic church, their willingness to live family life well, that is certainly. Uh, And assuredly, the greatest contribution that they are making to culture right now by simply being a family. It is something that we so often forget, the power of the family as the building block of society. At this point in the show, we've got a beautiful question coming in all the way from Bruno, Saskatchewan, Canada.
2: Hello, my name is Jolissa Trudell. I am a student at St. Therese Institute of Faith and Mission in Bruno, Saskatchewan. And I was wondering, how can we, through the art of living, become works of art in ourselves, in our
1: culture? Jalissa, what a question. This is probably one of my favorites that we've had yet on the podcast. And the question is, really, how do we go about becoming this masterpiece, this work of art, for the world to behold, and I'm increasingly convinced the answer is faithfulness. What does it really mean for us to be faithful to our unique and unrepeatable calling on earth? You see, each of us has a particular contribution to the world and to history, a particular way of bringing forth love, of bringing forth joy, of bringing forth beauty into a world that is dark and despairing. And I find that especially through prayer, and actually most especially through suffering and struggle, that calling comes to life. That, In in fact, usually it's my deepest wounds and struggles that are pierced ultimately by the love of God, and once pierced, they are transformed, and they become fountains of life for others. I know that I've been on the receiving end of those fountains of life, and now as I get older, see more and more the opportunity to give from that place is really captivating, and I hope the thing that is most bringing people to God and most changing the world. So, Jalissa, thank you again for that question. As always, for everybody listening, this is your chance to call in, to leave us an audio recording or a voice memo. Just send us an email at content at lovegoodculture.com. Literally just record a question into your phone, send it to us by email. You'll be featured on this part of the podcast. It's really been an incredible show this week. I'm really, really pumped about our guests coming in next this week. His name is Dave Barnes. I don't think he's a stranger to many of our listeners. He's one of the most beloved singer songwriters in all of Nashville, Tennessee. He is also an absolute stand up comedian. I mean, this guy will have us hooting and hollering next week. Of that, I am convinced. He's written all kinds of singles for some of the biggest names in country music, Christian music, but he is also just an absolutely humble and down-to-earth guy. Really looking forward to sitting down with Dave next week. Know that all of you are very much in my prayers. Check out lovegoodculture.com to see when we are coming to a city near you, and know that you can book us even now. We can come all the way into your living room for a, a house concert, a fireside chat, all the way up to big conferences, summer camps, which I'm constantly involved with myself. And just know that we are so eager to meet you and to come and bring this Love Good movement into your hearts and into your homes, into your day-to-day lives. Know that we're praying for you again, and we will see you next
0: week. Thank you for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media. And be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. Massive thanks to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible. As they stand on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else, our patrons raise media to a higher standard and help young people and artists turn that standard into a way of life. Join the movement today that will give you hope for tomorrow. Become a patron now at lovegoodculture.com.